Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lily Podcast for its very first season. We will be taking a short break before season two. In the meantime, while the Lily Podcast is on break, we will be running episode replays. So without further ado, here we go. All right, so we are here with my brother Jonathan and this is going to be the first time that even I hear his testimony in full. So I am super excited. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm like really excited to be here. I feel like everybody says that coming in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but it's um, it's unique for me because I've the first time I've been able to, you know, share like um, on video and, um, you know, sit down and somebody asks me kind of those questions when, you know, normally I'm the one used to just proactively sharing. Right. Like, hey, have you, um, man, let me tell you you know, my story, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, to kind of be on the other side of that, getting the questions instead of being the one to engage, it's going to be a little different for me, you know? Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been saved now? Ooh, there's <laughs> a, man, I, uh, I think 2012 um, was a significant point where um, I believe that's kind of where I had an, my encounter with God that really shifted and changed directions for the course of my life. And um, so that's what, eight plus three. Almost 11. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little. A little uh, 11, 11 years. years, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <clears throat> so can you start from, or start by telling us what your life was like before you met Christ? And you can pick up wherever you want. Wherever I want on the, t- on the timeline, the yeah. spectrum. <laughs> Um, okay, so, and upon inception, I'm just kidding, you know, um, man, like, where can I start? So, bef- before I was saved, I was, I was one of those guys that always thought I was a really nice, kind person, like, man, my family loved me, um, friends, I was like that guy that was always in every kind of clique, you know, that knew somebody from every kind of group, and kind of like, uh, almost that chameleon type of vibe. Like, I mean, you just blend in wherever you go, man. Yeah. You get along with people, you know, like say a joke, you know, make them laugh. I mean, get along. And uh, so I, there was never really a specific group. Um, I kind of just blended in and was always like that person to, and I, I like to make friends and meet new people. Right. So, and I was always friendly. So um, when I was uh, growing up, I, I was in different groups. So I, different groups introduce you to different things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, you know, I got into, um, you know, experimenting with drugs at one point, you know, with, uh, weed. I had friends that like, were doing like LSD. How old were you when, when that was happening? Oh man, I was, uh, probably getting into high school. Okay. You know, amazing how like just each part of school just introduces you to different things. Like I was, uh, when I was younger than that, I was very violent, like, Elementary school, middle school, getting into fights very often, very aggressive. Um, That's interesting. You know God changed you because I would never have guessed. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's what everybody says. I was was so bad. Like, I remember, and this is what hits me, hits um, the most for me is that, man, I I literally, um, like, abandoned my mother, like, while she was, like, close to death. I was so consumed with just, like, my relationship with my girlfriend at the time. And, man, I was just so angry and bitter at her because um, she would make so many changes in my life. And I was like, man, you didn't, you're just doing things. Like, you know, you're taking me out of school so I can be away from my friends. Um, you, uh, you know, 
moving me back and forth, like, and, um, excuse me, and uh, and you're trying to take me away from you know my girlfriend, like, it was a it was a lot. So I had a lot of bitterness and resentment mm-hmm. harbored up, and even growing up without a father, like, um, my dad was in jail for five years. He um, you know, cheated on my mom. I would hear stories about that. I was in the backseat of his car when he got caught. There was like helicopters, shining lights on his car. Like, wow. you know, get up with your hands up. Like that kind of like, you know, scenario. So I, there was a moment I even almost went to foster care because they couldn't contact my mother. This was in, um, you know, and, and so luckily my grandmother answered and, um, you know, the, that foster care service, whatever was able to, um, get me connected with her. Mm-hmm. So um, almost went into like the whole adoption <laughs> system. That's crazy. But um, but uh, yeah, just had that unforgiveness towards my father, bitterness towards my mother, and um, just a little more in detail. So what really happened and um, kind of brought me to a place where I had my encounter with God is that actually um, I got kicked out of my home. Right. So when I was about fifteen or sixteen, my mother sent me away. And um, because I was just so much like that point where I was, she was pregnant and um, she was on blood thinners. There was multiple times where like she was, uh, she was just very, very close to death. And, um, and I didn't have a care in the world. I was like, you know, forget you. I'm just want to be with my girl. I don't want to smoke weed. You know, I want to go to parties. And, um, and I, I, I didn't really love her. You know, I didn't honor her. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, to this day, I'm like, I do my best to, to show her that love and affection um, because it was just um, such a terrible thing, you know, that I that I did and how I treated her, cursing her behind her back, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, because she was right in switching me, making me switch schools. Um, I, uh, I moved around a lot as a kid um, in South Florida. I spent time in Hollywood, Boca, um, you know, Boynton Beach, West Palm. Um, before that, I was born in Springfield, Missouri. And then uh, when my mom sent me away, I, I was sent to live with my dad in Puerto Rico. This was long after he was in jail, mm-hmm. um, got out, became a successful businessman, um, you know, who owns real estate in Puerto Rico. Was your mom moving you around because you were getting into trouble? Um, yes. Uh well, she kind of found out, you know, that was, you know, experimenting with drugs and um, the crowd I was hanging out with. So she was she was doing her best to kind of keep me out of those situations. I lived in good neighborhoods. Um, so she she was really great in being mindful of that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I was like, man, you're trying to you're trying you're to control life. me. And like I was like, I got to break out of this cage, you know, and yeah. um, do what I want. And it was just a lot of a lot of bitterness. It just accumulated over time. And um, a lot of that came from uh, maybe just not also being without a father and maybe uh, things that my mother could have said differently, you know, that maybe triggered my responses. Like, um, so it's, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there was like trouble in your background when you were young. And then how would you say you encountered Christ? Well, um, man, when I encountered God, it was uh, when I got sent to Puerto Rico to live with my father, and he actually told me that he had become a Christian. So, wow. all my life, I grew up um, 
in a Christian household, like my mom would take me to church. My grandfather was a pastor. He actually uh, ran and started and, and was the founder of a, um, a prominent rehab center that's Christian based in the Dominican Republic. First one ever to be um, uh, like basically approved by the government, mm-hmm. like, like certified. And a lot of people created their own after being in his program mm-hmm. that he kind of raised up. So he was um, a great, he was a pillar, you know, he was, he was the one that would interject, you know, um, in my life and just say, Hey, uh, Jonathan, like, Hey, this is going on. And you know, you're treating your mother this way. Like you need to basically self-reflect. And this is your mom's dad. This is my mom's dad. Yeah. And I remember it's so funny. Like it got, it got real bad one point, right? I think, um, I was like, you know, intentionally failing school. Like I would have skip classes, stay home, lie to my mother about where I was. And, um, you know, occasionally take her car middle of the night without <laughs> telling her. Um, and he came down and, uh, he, and before he came down, he actually wrote me this letter and, um, I still have it. And it was basically about like living right before God and honoring your mom. So those were like literally, you know, implanted in me at a very young age, just how important that is. And I remember he came in to visit and he told me, hey, um, Jonathan, uh, he gave me this long talk. My, my grandpa grew up in, the, the, in Brooklyn. He was born in Manhattan. So, and so he had that New York accent, you know, he, he would call, he'd call movies pictures, you know, and wow. um, he taught me about goulash and uh, like just stuff like that. And I loved him. He was, uh, he was the man of God in my life that, uh, that was that example of, man, this is what it looks like, man, praying, being faithful, mm. doing the work of God and what he understood what that was. Right. And, um, and man, it was like, man, I, I really had a lot of respect for him and the wisdom he had. So anyways, he, he comes and visits me, and he says, hey, Jonathan, after giving this long conversation, basically, guys, finds out that I'm smoking weed. He says, hey, Jonathan, like, hey, man, if it don't feel right, it ain't tight. <laughs> and I'm like, I bet. You know, it ain't tight. And he's like, hey, man. And so he gave me this uh, bracelet, and um, it was a silver bracelet. And, uh, hey, man, when you look at this, I, I, I want you to remember that, he said. Literally, like, a couple days later, I go back to smoking weed. Tell me how I, the bracelet just falls up and no. I never find it again. I still don't know where it is to this day. I try to find one similar to it. And um, and literally, it just fell off. I, I didn't even remember it falling off. So, And, I, and every time I would, like, see him and I, I, I would look at my wrist, I'm like, man, like, he's, it's gone. He probably knows that I messed up. And so I would have like that conviction mm-hmm. because man, I yeah, I come like we kind of made this promise, right? So uh, so those are like those little stories that I remember looking back and kind of how I was and how he was there and being that example. Um, but I mentioned how I grew up in that Christian home, but um, I so I went to a Trinity Lutheran school. Yeah. Um, when I was in middle school, I got kicked out of that school, at um after being there sixth and seventh grade, and then I. Moved to a new school. It was like in the hood. It was like, it was like the hood. I'm talking about. It was like a D school. I went from like a B A school to going to this D school in the hood with like Crips and Bloods. People getting shot and stabbed. Oh and I was like, I'm like, I come from a school. It's like, it's like literally mostly like, I was like the only Hispanic dude 
And there was like two black dudes. And they were both my best friends. Like, I was like, yo, okay, I didn't know what was going on. So I'm just being myself. I'm making the class laugh, you know, and I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And literally, uh, <laughs> the assistant principal comes at the end of the class and he has a box of donuts and he starts giving them out. And he gives me a powdered donut. So this dude that's next to me, I forgot his name, he uh, ends up, um, I guess I, I make some jokes and like I crack on him a little bit. He, and he comes to me after class and he's like, and I don't know, he just talks to me. And I, and I don't know why, but I'm led to like wave my jelly powdered donut in front of him. Mm-hmm. And the powder like literally bounces off the donut and onto his shirt. You know, after that moment, that kid grabbed my shirt. We started tussling, tussling. And then he, I put him on the ground real quick because I knew judo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm chill, man. I'm, I'm not here for this. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to fight you. I should have. I should have just kept going, just, like, ended it. But because <laughs> he, he, I had art class with him, like, <laughs> the, next, the next class. And now everybody's, like, instigating. He's like, yo, white boy, put you down. You going to oh let him do goodness. that? And I'm like, yo. Like, what is going on right now? This guy, he's he's literally red. And he's, like, moving tables. And I'm, like, backing up. I'm, like, yo, what am I going to do in this situation? And um, and I was scared. That was before. That was I was a little bit of punk back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a fighter. But then, like, this guy was just crazy. He just looked crazy. Yeah. And, you know, he starts walking up to me. And then I trip. And I hit my head on a sink. Oh, and then I'm under the sink. And next thing you know, he's wailing on me. He got, like, two licks in. Next thing you know, I have braces, so I'm bleeding, mm-hmm. right? So of course it looks worse than it, it yeah. actually was. Yeah. And then every, and then I, I'm before the class or the you know principal or whatever the security puts me before the class and like explains what happens to the teacher and or the teacher explains and then they pull me out. But I'm like there in front of the class all bloody because I had braces, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I did lose that fight, you know. I won like I kind of won the first one, but then the second one and it was over for me. Oh my. But that's a little bit about how I was before, you know, just to give you a little more <laughs> more details. You know, I was here antagonizing people with powdered donuts. You know, I was here getting, you know, in a Lutheran school, get kicked out. And I actually, um, in Puerto Rico, that's when I had uh, went to a, a Christian school, a Southern Baptist Christian school. So, listen, christian stuff all over the place, right. basically. So, what, what exactly ended up happening where your mom was like, okay, you need to go? And I remember this one time I was so mad. It was like 12 a.m. And we were just arguing at the top of our lungs. And I grab my phone and I throw it at this window on the second floor and it bangs really loud. And this neighbor, he comes out, he's stomping. He looks, he look, I'm, I promise you, he's probably Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican, <laughs> so I can identify other Puerto Ricans. He comes down, he starts yelling. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like... I'm literally about to like pee my pants because this guy was like he was livid, grown man. Yes. You know, you know that grown man tune. I'm I'm this little Rudy Poo that's like 15, 16 years old. You know, so I'm here like I'm and I'm and that moment like marked me because I was like, man, like if this somebody a stranger has to come out here and get on me about the way I'm talking to my mom, mm-hmm. like this is uh it's probably getting bad. Yeah, it got worse from there. Um. Ended up, uh, my mom, you know, with the pregnancy and some some challenges she had there, um, leaving her there when she was, like, close to death, like I mentioned. And it got to the point where, hey, you know, like, I, she told me, hey, you know, it's it's been hard for me, and I, I can't take this anymore. Like, I'm going to send you to live with your father. 
and but for the summer. They always that, do that. 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 <laughs> My mom did that to me too. <laughs> 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 just for the summer. You're just visiting. But she didn't tell me that. But here's the thing. The summer ended, and she called me and told me, hey, I think it's better if you stay there. So wait, before your mom sent you away, like I know your dad, he went to prison and got arrested, and then now you live in Florida, and he lives in Puerto Rico. Did you guys have a relationship before you went to live with him? I would actually visit him in jail. Okay. So he wasn't like a federal prison. It was like, I remember he had like an orange suit, jumpsuit. Sometimes it changed to like a beige. You know, I guess they had a... A system. You know, a, a system, or, oh. like, maybe they had a little wardrobe going on there. Wardrobe yeah, the change. colors mean things. Yeah? Oh, really? Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, so I would visit him, and it was uh, important for my grandmother to, you know, take me, and he wanted to see me. So I actually had this picture of me and him, like, in, while he's in jail, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this, I'm like this small, and I'm like, not knowing what's going on. I'm like, right. oh, my dad's here. I'm just visiting my dad. This is yeah. his house. Like, let's <laughs> <laughs> visiting his house. And because you don't understand anything at that age. Um, but I, now that you mentioned that, talking about my father, I do remember looking for role models a lot. Like, oh. I always had a deep respect for anybody older than me, especially that was a man mm-hmm. for some reason. And, um, and I was like, man, you're an older man. Like, you have wisdom to share with me. And then my grandfather was also an example of that. But he was all the way in Puerto Rico. So I was like, who's that for me? I remember running to dudes that were like, you know, had bel- like they were like Nazis. Like this is like this one guy, had like a swastika tattoo. He was like a probably like a Satanist. And um, and he would I would just he would just like he just sounded so wise. I was like, oh, just sit and listen to him. And you talk to me about like, man, you know, uh, Hitler, he was a genius. I was like, you know what? That makes sense. No. Like, like, it was crazy. You know, the stuff you look for, you know, when you just don't really have anybody yeah, in your life you're like that. Yeah, when you're impressionable like that. So. Hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about what I just said. I'm like, wow, why did I do that? Yeah. Okay, so then, so, okay, so then your mom sends you away to go live in Puerto Rico. And I'm guessing, like, at this point with you being a teenager now, you're, like, reestablishing your relationship with your dad, who is saved at this point. Yes, and I actually had my girlfriend there, so we were actually trying to, we were, like, trying to do, like, a long distance thing Mm. at one point, and um, ended up not working out, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, I'm sorry, your question was that, you know, I I moved to Puerto Rico, and then what? Yeah, so, so I was just saying, like, you're reestablishing the relationship with your father at this point, and Mm -hmm. he is saved, so, like, with you coming in, with, like, I don't want to say, like, a troubled background, but, like, you're kind of trying to figure things out in terms mm-hmm. of being a teenager and probably dealing with rebellion. Um, <clears throat> like, what was the dynamic there, like, with you and your father? And then especially, like, with him being saved, like, how did he kind of pour <sighs> into you? Man, he was constantly challenging me. He was, like, the music I was listening to. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, what are you watching? Like, what are you listening to, man? What are you watching now? What are you listening to that? And I would tell him, I was like, man, what do you know about being Christian? Like, I'm a Christian. I grew up going to Trinity Lutheran. Really? You know, I grew up with a grandfather who was a pastor. And you grew up Catholic. Like, you just became a Christian. Like, who are you going to tell me? So that was my mindset. I was like, I know better than you. Like, this is kind of what I grew up in. Like, you just this, you just typical discovered teenager. this. So anyway, typical teenager, th- teenager thinking he knows better. Mm-hmm. And so he would challenge me often. And... When I got there, I, man, I didn't realize how much unforgiveness, you know, was in my heart. 
Like we would bump heads so much. Like he would try to um, basically just get me to follow instructions or be obedient, do simple little things. And I was like, I was like not having it. I was like, man, why are you trying to like, why are you putting all these restrictions on me? Like, like I just got here. Like, Mm -hmm. and who do you think you are? You know, like, man, you weren't even there. Like, I remember storming out of the house and I was begging like my grandparents who were like five minutes from his house, by the way. I was like begging them. I was like, can I live with you? Like, I don't want to stay with this man. And I just can't because we would just bump heads all the time. So I was begging my other grandmother who lived in San Juan because I was in Aguadilla. And um, so this is like the capital of uh, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, no, not San Juan, somewhere else. Um Anyway, so I was trying to just get out of there, really. I yeah. was really trying to get out of there because um, I just didn't really want to submit, you mm-hmm. know, to him as a, and I was like, man, you didn't earn that. You know, you weren't there yeah. kind of thing. It's so funny how similar our, like, testimony in that really? way. Really? Yeah. Okay, so what exactly was... I guess the turning point, like, and not even the turning point for, like, you finding Jesus, but maybe in the relationship dynamic between you and your dad. How, how did that? It's actually connected. Okay. So I I was there. It was the end of the summer, right? And at this point, my mom tells me, like, hey, you know, like, whatever. It's it's August. School's about to start. So now we got to figure out what's next in my mom's head, right? Mm-hmm. And so she calls me and tells me, like, hey, I think it's better if you stay over there. And I'm, like, super pissed. I'm like, you liar. <laughs> How dare you do this to me? Like, you said it was only going to be the summer, so that only made things worse for me and, like, made me more bitter and resentful right. towards my mother on top of whatever was there. So imagine, like, 100% full and resentment and bitterness. Now we had, like, overflowing. 150% overflowing and um, very angry. Um, and then my dad on a, adding on top of that, you know, trying to control me too when he just got here. I just got here, but he's trying to get in my life now. Mm-hmm. And um, but a little background on that. I would actually visit in the summers. So it was kind of like that's how I would visit him in jail. And I think when he was in seven, that's around seven. That's when he got out. Um, but then going back to where I was, I um, find out that uh, I'm staying in Puerto Rico. My dad tells me, hey, I'm, we're going to this men's retreat in Puerto Rico. I'm like, what is a men's retreat? First of all, everybody speaks Spanish, and I don't know a lick of Spanish. I know how to you count know? and how to say hola, like literally. That's a whole other story in <laughs> itself. So I get to this men's retreat that I'm forced to go, and I literally have a translator in my ear. Mm. And um, this one guy, his name is Danny, and um, great guy. And <laughs> he's uh, and he was fluent, so he would know he was fluent in English and Spanish, so he would translate me all the messages that they would have there um, and that they would share. So a couple days or one one day in, I'm like, I'm over it. I'm, I'm like in a bunk bed with like this one guy. I don't even know. I And another dude in another bunk bed. I don't even know. And they're over here trying to talk to me about God. I'm like, yo, I already know this. I grew up in this. Like you're preaching in the choir. So um, we have like a general session with all the men. And they began to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I heard the gospel like all my life, like. I went to multiple Christian schools, like, I went to many churches, you know, grandparents talk about it all the time, but literally, somehow, some way, through a translator, right, with this guy speaking in Spanish, the gospel, somebody translating it to me, and I just, I literally just become overwhelmed by the presence of God, 
to the point where I'm just so broken and I'm crying and I'm weeping and I realize like, wow, like what have I done? How, like, what have I done to my mother? You know, how am I treating my father? Like, how stupid am I to intentionally fail a grade? Like, why am I like, you know, having, you know, sex at a marriage? Like, like it all just dawned on me and I'm like, and I was, I was so heartbroken. I was like, man, I'm so sorry. And sorry, I have on. a question before, before this experience, like while you were kind of living in your rebellion, were you conscious of your sin then? I always thought like it was good to go to church. Yeah. And so whenever somebody would invite me to a Bible study, I'd always be like, I would be very respectful. I'm like, man, like somebody says, Hey, we're going to stand up and worship. I'm like, okay. You know, I would be, I would join in. Like I wouldn't like kind of give a lot of pushback because I grew up having to respect and honor this. Cause it's like part of these traditional values as a, my family, as a Christian, like this is God. You have to honor him. Like I was so, it was so much so that I would be scared to say the name Yahweh. Cause I was like, Oh, this is so holy. Like mm-hmm. I can't say Yahweh. Like it's, too holy to say it, right. you know. So I, I did have that upbringing that um, made me conscious towards towards God and conscious towards um, you know kind of heaven and hell, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, okay. So back to the men's retreat during mm-hmm. the general session, the presence of the Lord is there. Mm-hmm. You find yourself crying. What happens next? Like what? What was the? How did it all? Come yes. Together. So I, um, so my dad is there too. Yeah. And my dad speaks perfect English. Like he's not perfect. Like you got a little accent, a little mm-hmm. Puerto Rican accent. And um, I think he can read a little better. But he's uh, he's getting better. He's he's a uh, he's he's he can have a full conversation with you. Okay. And he's there. And after I have this moment with God, like I look over and um, I see I see him, and we meet each other in the middle. And um, he's crying, he's weeping, and he literally looks at me, and I'll never forget it, he tells me, and I just want to be your dad. And even to this day, that like, it, it moves on me so much, because looking back at it now, I realize that that's literally what God desired, mm-hmm. that he wanted to be a father to me. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment where I was literally reconciled with my natural father and my spiritual father at the same time. You know, so um, at the at the men's retreat, was that the moment that you decided that you would live for God? That was where it began. Okay, <laughs> That's where I recognize it. And I, I would say that that's when I began to be convicted. Right. You know, because, you know, there's certain men's that, you know, things that men deal with, like they're, you know, struggling with pornography. You know, they maybe they're in a relationship they shouldn't be in. Maybe they have friends that they shouldn't be in uh, be, have. So it took about a year for me to realize by myself, because I didn't have anybody telling me this. Mm-hmm. I was going to church and stuff like that <coughs> in Puerto Rico, which was a great foundation for me. Ciudad de Salvación and Isabella, Puerto Rico. And, um, and through those messages over time and going with my family to church, I realized that, man, there's things I got to let go. So that's when I realized, man, I should stop watching pornography. I, sh- I probably shouldn't be in the kind of relationships that will get me to have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. I um, And I need to change the kind of friendships that I have or surround myself with people that are going to help me get to where I want to go with my relationship with God. Right. Okay. You know? Okay. So then with 
So my first question, how long would you say that process took where it's like, I guess you're learning what the standards are and Mm -hmm. then you're making these changes. So once you decided like, okay, things in my life need to change, how long did that take? Um, For me to realize that things in my life needed to change? Yeah. Oh, uh, I always say within a year, but it was like in that year that I realized, okay, I need to break up with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, this isn't helping me get closer to God. Right. Like, I need to go to church more, surround myself with people that are pursuing God. Like, I need to honor and respect my father. Like, I need to do better in school. Like, all these things, like, it was just a mind renewal, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, I need to stop smoking weed or experimenting with drugs. Like, like it was just a mind shift, you know? And it was, inter- it was an interesting time because it, that was at the same time I was also making new friends being in a new place. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, became, I got into surfing. Um, I got into spearfishing. And, you know, when surfing is kind of like its own community, right? You get in... Because not everybody likes it, so you're going to be around people that like it, and there's and that crowd is few. So if you meet them in school, it's even fewer. Mm-hmm. So I got like I had like one friend who was actually from Florida, right, and um, great guy, and we would just hang out all the time, you know, and um, and I still you know know him to this day. We still talk every so often, but I was like, man, I need some other relationships that are going to help me get closer to God, and so what do I got to do to get there? Like, let yeah. me go to these Bible studies, you know, let me check these out. And that's when I started making those connections. So remind me again, how old were you when you were going when you went to the men's retreat? Uh, when I went to the men's retreat, I was uh, sixteen. Okay, and then how long did you stay in Puerto Rico? I lived there for about three years. Okay, so I'm guessing like once you graduated, somewhere around there, then you made the decision to move back to Florida. Oh, that's another story in itself. So, um, so I'm unpacking a lot, but I get, after I get saved in Puerto Rico, right. Mm -hmm. I start going to the church my dad goes to. And, um, as I'm going there and I really begin to experience the presence of God, I'm like, what is the presence of God? Like, whoa, this is different. Like I grew up going to church all my life, but now I feel something Mm -hmm. like now I'm like, now I get, uh, you know, filled with the, the Holy spirit, you know, like other, everybody else in my family had, you know, got filled with the Holy spirit, like by speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. I didn't for mm-hmm. a while, a minute. And they thought I did. They were surprised I didn't after I got it. They were like, oh, I thought we, you thought we'd been, you'd been had this. <laughs> I was like, no. And, like, I really didn't. So, and this was about a year or so or two years living in Puerto Rico. And um, I was also introduced to, like, evangelism. So, I, since I was a surfer, I got into this uh, ministry called Salitre Surf Ministry. Mm-hmm. So, we would basically uh, offer people free surfing lessons on the beach. And we would... Tell them, hey, if you do these surfing lessons, um, I mean, we'll give you these free surfing lessons if we can share this message with you. So we had this um, message called uh, The Shaper, right? So, and we were like, oh, The Shaper is God, and we're like a surfboard. Like, our surfboard is made. It starts off like this blocky piece of foam, and but you got to clean it. You got to mold it. You got to put, like, this epoxy. You got to polish it. You got to clean it. And, um, and then there's the leash that connects you to the board so you don't lose it, and that's the Holy Spirit that connects you to God. And it was uh, it was pretty cool, yeah. you know. It was, um, and we enjoyed that. I did that for some time. I was involved in, uh, you know, feeding the homeless. I, uh, I would, you know, go went to every Bible study, you know, every church meeting. I tried to help out any way I can, and, but it got to the point where I was like, man, like, 
Uh, okay, here's so I, I'm I'm finding the story now. So, I remember the the teacher or the pastor of that church. She shared this piece of paper, and she said, "Hey, what ministry do you want to be a part of?" To a group of people, I think like in the youth group on mm-hmm. Fridays, and it said, uh, "Do you want to be part of the ministry of deliverance? Do you want to be a part of the ministry of prophetic ministry? Do you want to be a part of the uh, worship ministry? Um, do you want to be part of the feeding the homeless?" You want to be part of the evangelism ministry and I think disciples ministry. And I literally checked all those boxes, except feeding the homeless. So I was like, you know what? These I feel like these are the ones I'm targeting. <laughs> and um, which feeding the homeless is important. I mean, that's great. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of great work being done there. But I but I was like, man, I want to I want to be in worship. I want to, you know, move in the prophetic, you know, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I want to do deliverance and evangelize and make disciples. And I remember soon after that. Somebody came up to me and literally told me, "Hey, Jonathan, you're you're gonna receive more than what you asked." Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so so things are. Oh, did I answer your question? You did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so but it's it's interesting. I do have a question just for this section. So mm-hmm. things are basically progressing where you are. Mm-hmm. So how'd you? I don't want to say, like, end up leaving, but how'd you end up back stateside if things were... It seems, sounds like they were... Yeah, they were really going well. they were going great. Um, there was this, you know, girl I had met there that I thought I was going to marry, right? And um, But it didn't work out that way. And for the, all the right reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Lord knows. And, uh, man, and I'm, I'm married now. And, like, listen, she's been sent from God, okay? Yeah. That's my baby, my blue baby, blue bean. <laughs> and, um, but... Uh, to answer your question, things were progressing. Why did I, and, you know, how did I get to leaving? So things were progressing, but it got to the point. So we would do outreach once a month every Saturday. And my whole family was a part of it. So this was also the first time I felt like I was part of a family. And what had happened is, uh, you know, my stepmother um, at the time, uh, my dad's ex-wife actually, and my father you know, were married, and so they were trying to keep things together, and they were, uh, you know, so they were like, oh, you know, we're going to go to God, we're going to start going to church because we want to make this work for the kids, right, and for themselves. So I had a brother and sister, right, who are younger than me, I'm the oldest, and so this was, this was very different for me, because I'm like, come from, uh, you know, basically not having my father, right, and now just growing up with a single mom, and now I'm living in this home with a whole family unit, you know, yeah. my mother, father, brother, and sister. I even had this uncle who's actually younger than me. Don't ask me why. <laughs> He's like a year younger than me. And um, he became like a brother, and we were both pursuing God together. And um, what at, And so that was the first time I got to really feel like, man, this is home. This is a family. And um, eventually, uh, we were all part of this ministry evangelizing, and going to church together, doing these outings, and it was so fun. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It was a great time. But it got to the point after I remarked all of those um, ministries I wanted to be a part of, right, I I felt like I was hitting a glass ceiling. I was like, man, I feel like I'm doing the same thing all the time. Like, like there has to be more, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then I get that, receive that word that I didn't really understand, that you're going to receive more than you ask. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, but I'm feeling this way. Like, I feel like there's more. I don't know how to do it, how to get there. Um, they, they, the church started trying this new thing called, oh, we're going to do this thing called houses, right? Because they had cell groups, but we're going to call them houses now. 
mm-hmm. but we're still going to go to church on Sundays. So it was, it was interesting. Um, so I was like, oh, it's exciting. They're teaching me, okay, let's make disciples, yeah. right? You know, so they started saying, oh, we're disciples now, and this is your leader. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, I was like, that was something exciting. Um, but then, like, the summer comes around, and then I get into this, like, really bad car accident. I get T-boned. I'm in the mm-hmm. fence of this hotel, um, which there's, like, a whole memorial to it now because they actually changed the fence into this whole, like, advertising, you know, board so I like to think that, oh, you know, I, I, I contributed to the building of that, you know. <laughs> and um, so in the accident, I, I run through this fence of the Hotel Marriott in Puerto Rico. I get this stop sign lodged in there and uh, in the side of the, the passenger side. It was really bad. Um, then after that, I broke my dad's pool motor. Were you okay? And Oh, I was okay. okay. Yeah, I, was, I got scratched up. The other guy, unfortunately, he had to go to the hospital. He had a neck brace. Um, we were visiting him, making sure he was okay. Um, you know, small intent behind that was like, we also don't want to get sued. Yeah. So we wanted to check on him and, you know, we were like, Hey man, you okay? You okay? You're like, Hey man, is everything all right? Is there anything you need? You know? And thankfully he didn't press charges against me. Were you at fault? Oh yeah. I ran that stop sign. I oh, ate that my stop goodness. sign. It was, it was so bad. I was like, Jesus, I repent. I'm so sorry. Okay, I must have missed it. You said that before. <laughs> I didn't say it before. Maybe I said it on purpose. <laughs> but, uh, but that was that accident. And then I broke my father's pool motor. Because he has multiple pools, multiple properties, and rents them out. And um, I would help him clean the pools, but if you don't do it correctly, you can damage one. So it got to this point where my dad was like, I need a break from you, man. You know, you're busting up cars, you breaking pool motors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, go live with your mom. You know, go stay with your mom for the summer. Mm-hmm. The summer. The summer. That's the, that's the, the theme here. Always got to be in the summer, right? At least that's what they say. So I, um, and then I get, uh, I live with my mom, and I, I meet these great guys, um, and one of them was, like, one of my best friends in high school, and he has a full encounter with God. He told me, like, man, I was an LSD, man, I went to jail, I was running out butt naked, and a canine <laughs> bit my arm, and then I encountered with Jesus. I was like, whoa, really? Right. I, you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Let's hang out, you know? So we would go around, just little preach the gospel, you know, talking to homeless people. It was great. And um, and then he told me about this uh, this church, right? That was meeting in the in the homes, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. Let me. Uh, I'd love to hear that." He's telling me, "Oh man, they're all playing in tongues. They're all on fire and worshiping God." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds so exciting. I'd love mm-hmm. to go." So a couple of weeks went by, and I was like, "Man, you remember that place you told me about? I want to go." So he told me about. Oh, you know, he told me about. It, and he said, "Oh, I think they're meeting tonight. Let me call this lady, and um, let me see if she can come through and pick us up." Because we, I, I didn't have a car. I just, yeah. I just moved to Florida or just started, just visiting. <laughs> you know, Florida. And um, so they pick us up, we go, and it was amazing. Like, all these people just worshiping God, like giving their 100%. Because, you know, when you, sometimes when you go to certain churches, like, there's people that are half in, half out. Yeah. Got people sitting down. Yeah. People are, like, just there because my, you know, I guess I, I'm just checking it out. I'm dipping my toes in, testing the waters. But, man, these all these people were all in. They were passionate, zealous. And I'd never seen that before after being in the, the church I was in for three years. And um, because it was there was only some people that would go up and dance and sing and worship God. And, and a lot of people just hang out behind. And I always wondered that. I was like, man, I get, I'm so full of joy when I think about my God and worshiping and loving him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I saw that, wow, I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of people that feel the same exact way right now. Yeah. And uh, saying the same thing. So it was, it was just so great. And I, and I, and I hung around, you know, and, um, and it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's good, that's good. So, with you finding 
this house church and you getting reconnected with your high school best friend, mm-hmm. what what happens once the end of the summer comes? Oh, that's a... So, I am um, in, in the middle of one of the church meetings, right? It was... I'm going to share um, another story and then bring it back. Okay. But I was in there and I remember this lady gives me $100, right? And it was a check for $100. And I was like... I, and I didn't have a job. I wasn't working. I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this this check? And I didn't want to spend it. I was like, God gave me this $100. All mm-hmm. right, so I got to be careful. I can't just spend it on, like, food or pizza. And um, so I just kept it in my wallet. And then uh, a couple days later, I think two or three days later, I lose my phone, right? Or, um, or it breaks or something happens. And I had Sprint at the time. And I go to Sprint, and they tell me, hey, uh, man, like, uh, I'm sorry, man, like, you... I'm trying to get a new phone. They're like, man, but you gotta you gotta pay the rest of your phone off. Well, man, I don't, you know it's they said it's gonna cost uh like ninety seven dollars. I was like, whoa. whoa, whoa! I was like, whoa, hold on, I got this check. I got that. Let me go check Cass's check. I'll be right back. And um and then I walk out with a new phone. So and I looking back and I was like, man, I I needed that because I needed to stay in communication yeah. with the people that God was connecting with me. And this church, right? And that was the only way. I was like, I needed to ride there to get there. Like, um, they don't know where I live. Like, it was, it was a lot. So, anyways, going back to uh, me, um, staying or um, you know, the whole what happened if you know with Puerto Rico. So, also going in one of those church meetings, that same woman, she tells me, hey, um, <laughs> she said, hey, you're gonna be back a lot sooner than you think. And I was like, yeah, yeah like maybe like six months, like. Because at this point, I was already registered in um, the University of Puerto Rico about to study marketing. And so I'm like, yo, my life's over there. You know, like my dad's yeah. business over there. He wants me to be a part of it. Um, I, I'm i a surfer, you know, like, so I'm like thinking this was going through my head. And literally um, the day of my flight, right, I'm getting ready. My badge are packed. Going to, get, going to the airport that same afternoon. My dad calls me. He's like, oh, yeah, Jonathan. That's Jonathan in Spanish, by the way. Okay. Jonathan, like, listen, man, I've been thinking that it's, it's going to be best if you stay. And I think you're going to have better opportunities there. Mm. And I was like, yo, okay. And you know what's funny? Before he said that, somebody told me that, you know, your dad is going to speak to you, and he's going to give you clear and proper uh, directive. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh. And I didn't even argue with him. I was like, okay, Papi. You know, Dale. Uh, let's go. <laughs> and he said, you're going to come, but you're just going to pack your things. And then I'm going to send you back. I'm like, okay, that sound's good. And and, that, and, I, and I came back. I flew to Puerto Rico and came back. Well, amen. Because I'm like, you're registered in school. <laughs> like, what, what yeah, happens yeah. next? Exactly. So did you end up going to school in Florida? Or was it just like, what happened? Yes, so um, this was after I graduated high school. I went to an all-Christian school, Carib Christian, the only English school in Puerto Rico. And um, and then I come back. I'm sorry, ask your question again. It was College. So you were registered uh-huh. University of Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and then you decided to stay in Florida. So what happened? Did you end up going to school in Florida? Yes, I, I ended up going to school in uh, Florida. Um, I was... I was figuring things out for a little bit. I was like, let me get a job, mm-hmm. you know, let me uh, get settled in. I kept going to this church I was going to uh, in the home, and I 
I was looking into getting back into school and registering for school. So I went to Broward Community College and, um, and started working on like my associates so I could let her go to a, a university. And, um, and so that's what ended up happening with school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually only got did uh, two years. So I did like a little concentration in finance because I was going to study finance. But uh, later on, the way what my career and how it worked out, I didn't even really need to, you know, finish to, to really have a great career. Good. I was thinking that. I'm like, well, it worked out now. Yes, because <laughs> my dad was right. I did get better opportunities. You know? Good, good. Can you tell us about any challenges that you, I guess, encountered on, on the way, right? Mm-hmm. So we hear things went great in, in uh, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And you come back to Florida, things are going great here. You find a friend. Mm-hmm. We all need a friend. We find you find this friend who's mm-hmm. on fire for the Lord. Mm-hmm. He introduces you to other people that are on fire for the Lord. So what happens after that? Because it sounds like everything is on the up and up. So is that how it was? Yeah. I well, let's see. So, man, I he he connects me with them. I keep going to this uh, church in the home. I get connected to uh, uh, other you know young men. Um, who later at become like my best friends. Um, you know, Julio ends up becoming like this uh, this guy in uh, Florida now. I'm in New Jersey. He ends up being um, my best man. You know, another one of them uh, ends up being my groomsman, right? So these are people that I met in like 2015 who I kept relationships for, you know, up until now, 2023. So over eight years of relationship that I believe God placed in my life. And um, so I just began to connect with other folks. I began to really press in in terms of, you know, spending time with them and spending time with the body. And because that's what I feel like I I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was this one point, right, where I remember um, somebody was talking to me and they told me, hey, you know, like, um, man, like, you know, I think I don't think we really need uh, people teaching us, you know, because Jesus is our teacher. And, um, and I was considering that I was like, Oh, really? And so he ends up leaving the church, right? The same person I came in with and introduced me. And, um, I was like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like wrestling. I was like, man, this is my, this is my best friend. And then at the same time, you know, but these are these new people that I met and I was wrestling with that. I was like, man, where do I go? And so eventually I, realize that, you know what, I'm just going to stay because I need to be connected to God's people or yeah. into his body because I feel like, man, without it, I'd be spiritually dead, Yeah. right? And um, and that I wouldn't do well alone. So I ended up staying and, um, and realizing, yeah, that's where I needed to be and that's where I really grew and learned how to pray. Mm-hmm. That's where I learned how to pray better or pray more effectively. Like, oh, what does warfare mean? What does it mean, spiritual warfare? What right. does it mean to um, intercede and have and do intercession. What, so God is looking for intercessors, right? So what does that mean? Like, how do I do that? Um, learning how to, how to cast out devils. Like, what is that? Is it just praying for somebody or does something happen while I'm praying for somebody? You know, like, what does the power of God look like? I began to experience that. Um, I also began to know God and trust God as a father. And he began to bring me to a place of, man, what it is to be his son, and really desire the things that he desires and love people the way he loves people and understanding that, man, we're all connected. So these people that I had a relationship with, like, man, these are people I can't just easily walk away from Mm -hmm. because 
man, now they're in my life. And I understand that, man, these relationships are, you know, forever. Like, man, uh, you know, people talk about seeing their family in heaven, right? Yeah. What about my brother, you know, who's in the church that God considers that, hey, like, this is your brother in Christ, you know, in, in the body of Christ, and that you need to love him, right? You need to love your neighbor as yourself and things of that nature. So um, I began to put a premium on those things and, and really put a lot of my time there and really grow into a, a man of God <coughs> where um, where I could be strengthened and empowered. And there was another person in Florida who be, was like a basically like a father to me. Mm-hmm. And he um, was later introduced into my life, and he really... Um, Man, he loved me, like, he, he just really, really loved me so well, like, because I was so messed up, like, I, for a long time, I was just, like, struggling with cycles of, like, just not, not, uh, not overcoming things, and really, there were sin in my life, like, mm-hmm. cycles of, uh, you know, men deal with, like, masturbation, pornography, so for me, it was a long time having to deal with that and not overcoming that for, for years, mm-hmm. and, and so what happened is that, Man, I was always told that, hey, you don't quit. Yeah. You don't quit. You keep going. Like, you know, you're not a failure, right? You got to keep fighting. You need to keep going no matter what. And and I'll tell you what, that faithfulness paid off because I did overcome, right? Mm. Because I had an yeah. example and I had accountability to tell me that, you know what, if you keep going, you're going to break through. You're going to win. You're going to overcome. And in that part of my life, it was questionable because I was like, man, I... I felt mentally unstable. I felt emotionally unstable, spiritually unstable. And I was like, man, I could never take care of a house. I could never be a father. I could never be a husband. I could never be a career person or, you know, um, someone with an established career or established finances. Like, there's so many of my areas that were affected by just this area of instability where I just did not break through or overcome. And eventually God did bring that. So I'm I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Did, do you still keep in contact with your high school friends? I do. So he actually eventually, um, after just man building relationship with over time, because one thing about him, he's always been on fire and passionate mm-hmm. for God, and and so what I always did my best to is just maintain that contact and relationship. There were some times it was in and out. Yeah. But there was a, a time where I felt the need to hey, let me just stay in touch and let me just. Let me not argue and let me not debate like, okay, you know, you want to, because there's a lot of other churches that are doing great things and loving God. And so he wanted to be a part of that. You know, you just do it somewhere else. I'm like, that's cool. As long as you're loving God and serving God and um, ended up getting married, having kids, you know, having an established career, you know, and um, over time, you know, uh, just continuing to speak with one another. Like I asked him, like, you know, he wanted to lead and he was, he was very passionate, like he was um, starting like a skate ministry. He was um, very involved in his church, and people looked at him as an example uh, because he was stable. You know, he was pursuing God. He was on fire. But I asked a man like, "Hey, so who's who's pouring into you in that way? Yeah. You know, who's leading you in that way? Like, are you seeing that same zeal and passion? You know, are you are you seeing that power of God that you so desire in your life mm-hmm. and that you want in others?" And he said, "No." And eventually, and I just invited him to, to meet a friend of mine down in South Florida. And eventually, like, he realized, man, like, he, he wanted to, to be where he saw the power of God. He wanted to be around people that were really going to love him. And um, 
in a more intimate and deep way and give him that accountability. And, and so he ended up coming back to that, you know? And, and now like our relationship is better than ever. Like when I see him, I kiss him on his face. We're like, Hey man, I love you, man. Like I thank you because I wouldn't be where I am if you hadn't connected me to the relationships that I have. And, um, and he was like, he told me, Hey man, you know, I'm sorry. He was like, man, I'm, I was proud and man, and you were just trying to help me. And, um, and I'm like, man, and I, and I, and he said, thank you. Mm -hmm. So you know, and so sometimes we're quick to like burn these bridges, you yeah. know, just because we don't agree on something. But, but hey, you know, like at the end of the day, it's still it's still your brother, you know, it's still your sister, it's still a relationship. And God isn't about burning bridges, you know, mm -hmm. he's he's really about reconciling people back to himself. Yeah, you know? and plus when you have that like the end result of someone being or coming back and even being able to say like, oh, I'm sorry, or recognize their pride in that way, it's like it makes everything else worth it you as keeping that bridge established and mm -hmm. going out of your way and being annoyed and holding your tongue it <laughs> all becomes worth it <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely how would you say your relationship with christ affects your life now in terms of relationships or work or even your marriage and your home like how is christ intertwined in other areas of your life oh man it's um I've learned to be completely dependent and still learning to be completely dependent on God. And um, and before getting into that, I just want to mention something else. Like, even though he came back, it didn't mean that it was better, right? Or mm -hmm. it was because, like, oh, we're better than someone else or yeah. better than another church, right? It was because the love that he felt through me, right, he also saw in the people that I had relationships with, and he just wanted to be closer to that. Right, and so sometimes we just want to be loved. Yes, like well, I think we all love. want to be. We loved. like, and and so, and that's that's a big part of my my uh, testimony. People just love me so well, and and I, and I was told that hey, if if you just stay, you're never gonna lose my love. No matter how many times you mess up, mm. how many times you fail, no matter how many setbacks you have, which there were many. Yeah, like man, I was still loved, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't denied a phone call. I wasn't denied a visit to the house. Like I wasn't denied dinner, mm. like you know, a dinner or a seat at the table. Like never, you know. Mm. Um, but to to answer your uh, you know question about um, you know I was talking about meeting Christ and um and how you because you mentioned being intertwined and um you know how God is intertwined in different parts of my life and so I eventually uh, got married right. Thank God right. I was uh. Listen, I was, I was, uh, I needed a wife. Okay, I definitely needed and you a wife. Got a great one. I listen. Yes. yes, she's, um, she's so wonderful. Um, she's amazing. She brings me so much joy, you know. And it's, um, it's amazing because when you become a husband, I was married. Uh, I got married March fifth, twenty twenty two, and it was amazing how the things also lined up, even going up to that. Because I had a great job. I was an account manager um, for, a, you know, a lending company and uh, making good money. But I needed something more stable. Cause it, was, it was sales, right? Mm -hmm. So I was asking God, like, Lord, um, Lord, I, I want something more stable. Can you help me find something more stable? Because I want, I want this for my family. And literally, I get a job. Uh, sorry, let me, let me uh, rewind. So I start the process for an interview. And the interview takes forever, and basically uh, I have my finer interview, like, a, the week before I get married. 
And literally, in that same week, I think it's like three or four days before my actual wedding date, I get a, I get a call from American Express. They tell me, hey, we'd like you to work for us, <laughs> you know? And, um, and my salary was, uh, you know, right significantly more. And um, it was everything that I needed and asked for. And I was, uh, and I was just thinking, God, I was like, wow. And even before that, like my wife, she was working in a restaurant, right? She was working at uh, um, now Tyree's Table, right? And uh, over in um, Morristown. And um, check it out. And <laughs> um, she, she wanted to get out of the restaurant, but like find something else, you know? So I referred her to that company before I left. And I actually got her into the company, right? And so she did great in the interview, killed it, and um, and ended up, uh, you know, getting the job there, right? Uh, working remote. Also, I work remote. And um, her, her salary probably, like, <laughs> quadrupled. And, um, you know, later even got promoted. So, um, so it was amazing awesome. to seeing God move. And even leading up to that, God was giving me reassurance and saying, hey, you know, you know God is going to provide for your your wife right Mm -hmm. you know that job is going to come and you know god is going to bring you financial stability these are things i heard before all of this happened right probably like six months you know or something or so Mm -hmm. before that and i'm because i'm here getting married i'm like man i want to get things together i want to be prepared a home for my wife and um have this stable income so those are all things that were important to me um and even as i'm sharing that like there was a because this is kind of connected. Excuse me. That I was at a I was at a conference and I remember this was really where I felt like I was at the lowest of the low before I was married, before I got this job, before I got these, you know, beautiful, you know, words from God. Um somebody called me and um called me up and there was a few people that were sharing with me that they felt God wanted to say something to me about something. And um, at this point, like I said, I felt like I was in the lowest of the low. I felt like complete failure. Um, I had this terrible mentality. It was, it was probably coupled with depression, um, coupled with uh, just, you know, um, feeling like a failure uh, where I wasn't really excelling. I mean, I just recently, like, uh, had to stop going to these classes uh, because I was, uh, wasn't doing well in the university. Um, I uh, continue to have these cycles of sin in my life where I kept going back to you know, pornography and all this stuff. And, um, and I just didn't, I was just wasn't winning. I was like, man, like, I mean, I, I felt like a failure, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so I, I, uh, I felt, I just felt so bad, you know, and, um, and ashamed, right? I had of, man, that shame, that condemnation is so real and it can really consume you. Like I was just so overwhelmed by it. And it's, it's amazing because even when you're in that, it makes you want to distance yourself from mm. people and relationships that are going to help you essentially get to God and, and be better. Yeah. So I remember just hiding and just, like, you know, distancing myself and um, keeping things to myself out of pride, really, because I was really being self-preserving because I thought, oh, woe is me. You know, my shame is, is so great. Like, nobody will understand, like, mm. When I really need, if I would have just maybe talked to somebody or if I would have lived in the light a little more and talked about my struggles, like I could have gotten the help I needed. But I was so proud, you know, I kept it to myself, right? Um, But anyways, I'm at this conference and, man, it was the most beautiful thing. I get prayer. They tell me that, hey, you know, God is going to, and that he, he said, God sees that you're faithful. 
I'm like, what in the world? What do you mean faithful? Like, I just, I'm the, I'm this raggedy, like, I'm like the worst of the worst. Like, I'm dirt. Like, I'm just, I'm, like, I felt like, I felt terrible. And, um, and they said, they said things like faithfulness. They said, hey, you know, anything that is in the Father's house is yours, right? They told me that, and God is bringing you out of the wilderness, right? God is bringing you financial stability, and um, you're going to know him as a father and um, in a deeper way. And I was like, what? You know, so I don't know. I was just, I was just crying. I was broken. And, um, and it was amazing because, like, it, I got all this encouragement, right? And, um, and all of these beautiful words that were from God that these people felt led to share with me that were from God. And it was in the worst time. Like, it was where I felt like I was in the lowest of the low, like, that I, I, I couldn't overcome. I couldn't win. And, um, and I wouldn't, and I wasn't growing in my relationship with God, you know? So, and soon after that, that's when I, I, I felt this great strength, like, you know what? I can do this, you know? And, um, because (coughs) some of the reasons, just to give you understanding, like my grandfather dealt with addiction. Mm -hmm. Like my grandfather was, uh, addicted to heroin. Um, at a late age, when like in his late forties, he went to this ministry uh, ran by David Wilkerson called Teen Challenge in New York City, and um, and ended up basically turning his life around and uh, giving his life to God. Um, so that's in my family, mm-hmm. that addiction, right? Yeah. So people say they're addicted and stuff like that, but I was literally like, okay, I'm gonna go, you know, by myself, you know, and I'm gonna go um, be in a hotel for three days, right? I'm gonna, you know, just and I'm just going to be by myself, you know, with my computer doing, you know, watching pornography, like literally. And and it would just and I would and I also looking back like um, I don't know if you know, but um, but my grandmother, um, she actually dealt with uh, some form of mental, mental illness. So she dealt with depression. Um, she actually had a schizophrenic episode right in an airport. Mm-hmm. And um, and so. A lot of the things in my behaviors, right, some of the forms of behavior that you'll see in schizophrenia is a disorganized behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So very impulsive, like, I got to do this. I'm pacing back and forth. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, you're making weird facial expressions. And people think you, if anybody hears this, you'd be like, yo, you crazy. I was crazy. Like, I was literally, you know, dealing with, like, craziness, like, stuff that you don't really see around like that. But it was it was a form of schizophrenia. And um, and that thing had me had me bound be bound so I would I would be super impulsive right you know not really thinking about my actions and um but God gives us a self-control right but then again if you want that breakthrough and to overcome those things you got to be able to either talk to somebody you got to let people know what's going on Mm -hmm. so you can receive that prayer and that help you're looking for which I didn't do for a long time right and but fast forward I get these words and out of nowhere I get this strength and man, like, you know what? I'm going to talk to somebody. You know what? I'm going to tell somebody what's happening. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like, I don't care if I look crazy. I don't care if um, how I look or how people perceive me. I just know that I need help because I need God. Yeah. And um, and I felt there was a, this grace to to just overcome these things and fight these things and, and um, with great strength. And so I found myself like, man, I overcoming these things that I wasn't overcoming for a long time. And I ended up out of nowhere getting this new job, right? And as an account manager, like, whoa, after kind of having these dead end jobs for the longest time, 
I'm, I'm like here at 24, 25 years old. I'm like, what in the world? Like, I can't work at Sprint and T-Mobile for like, you know, the rest of my life. Like, you know, they're great, but I was working in the retail. Like, I was the guy that like, you know, takes your payments, you know. Yeah. So I'm not trying to do that. I'll retire there. But um, anyway, so I, I get this job and, you know, things just open up. You know, after I get this word from God, like in my lowest point, man, God still, he, he picked me up. He restored me. He gave me the strength to overcome. And um, and I remember somebody told me one of the things they said, he said, you're going to be able to connect the dots. I feel like sometimes in our walk in, in, uh, in our walk as Christians, like we get all these pieces of information. Right. And um, some of them we don't fully understand. Like, mm-hmm. oh, people talk about their experiences with God. People talk about, um, you know, hey, these are kind of like these little nuggets and, and keys and, you know, ways that, man, you can't get closer to God. But sometimes you don't really understand it or how to really apply it to your life. And there was it was like that in a few areas of my life, you know? Like, I, like listen, there was people that were trying their best to make it practical, but I would just be like, I would just overthink it. <laughs> I would just be in my head so much about it. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get closer to God, that means I got to read my Bible every day. I got to pray every day. I got to spend at least one hour praying every day. I got to spend like a couple hours reading this Bible every day. Um, that means I can't uh, be distracted. That means um, I probably can't work. Maybe I should call it a word just so I can pray. more complicated. Like, maybe I, oh, listen, like, I got to fast. You know, like, it's, um, and these are all important, um, but it was, I was overcomplicating it. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, let me, let me just find time to pray today, even if it's, like, 30 minutes, you know. Maybe it's, like, a quick break at work, like, mm-hmm. 15 minutes, like, just intentional time. Or maybe it's just, like, okay, let me just read a chapter a day, you know, instead of spending, feeling like I got to do a whole research paper on the Bible. Right. You know, do what you're evil. And um, so I get this, I got this word from God and it just, man, it, they said, you're going to connect the dots. And it was amazing because that literally happened. Like, like c- walking with Christ has never become more simple. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's um, now going back to what you're saying, how it's intertwined. Like, man, like my life is completely dependent on God. Like, yeah. like I have a, like my, before um, I was married, my, my wife had a son who's eight years old. Right. So. I'm becoming a husband, right, and a father at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do none of these things. So it was really depending on the Lord, okay, how am I going to be able to, you know, be a father to someone that wasn't first my own, right, mm-hmm. who's becoming, and, you know, he eventually started calling me, you know, daddy. He started, you know, calling me dad, and we started building that relationship, but I really needed to lean on God to be able to um, gain, win his heart, yeah. you know, win my wife's heart so that she can trust me because she has her own life experiences that may have hindered her from being able to trust people in general. Maybe people did her dirty, you know, let her down, right? And um, so trusting God to be able to be the father you need to be, to be the husband you need to be, like, and going to God in prayer that, God, I need your strength to be made perfect in my weakness. Like, I need your help, and um, I need to trust you in this process, right? And, And that's... And a lot of the journey has been just that. I'm nothing. I need you, you know, mm-hmm. and please help me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It's awesome. So just considering your testimony in its fullness and, you know, even what's still happening, the testimony that's still being created. Yes. What advice would you have for people that can identify with certain points of your testimony and 
I guess like when you go to answer that, maybe like point out certain things. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. The only thing I could say say to somebody that would uh that would help them like in their relationship with the Lord. Right. Yeah. Um. Man, I uh. Like just just don't be afraid to be completely dependent on God. Don't be afraid to be completely transparent with the people leading you. Because if um, if people don't know what's going on, no one's going to know how to help you. And the more that you live, and I, I, you know, and I, I like this, and I'll, I'll refer to it as like living in the light. You know, like if you're in the dark, you're in the shadows, you're keeping things to yourself, your struggles, hiding in shame, right? But when you're in the light, you're transparent, you're open, mm-hmm. right? And there's a level of freedom that God gives us to be able to do that. It may be hard because, you know, in America, we have a very independent mentality that we have to do things on our own. But it's so contrary to the word of God. It's so mm-hmm. contrary to how God b- builds and, you know, strengthens his people because it's based off of a community. It's based off your relationship with, with others who are going to teach you, lead you, um, give you that accountability that you need to really... Um, stay focused on what you said you were going to do. Like, if you said you're going to serve God, like, hey, like, be accountable to the people that are going to help you get there, mm-hmm. right? Because what, what you need them. Yeah. I realize that I, I'm a, such a needy person that I do need others to really help me in my walk with God because it's something that I can't do by myself, you know? What if I'm, you know, having an issue in my marriage? Like, you know, I'm I'm part of the issue. Like me t- being by myself isn't going to help me resolve this, right? Exactly. You know, I you know, I have a son like I've never been a father before. Like who can I talk to about this? Let me talk to another father that I know who loves God, who has a testimony of loving God and raising his children, right? Right. And and so I've had to really just trust on God and lean on him and don't be afraid to to ask God for the impossible. As mm-hmm. you know, like I remember um like, I talked about how I was dealing with that depression, schizophrenia, and just kind of these really low places, and how that's been in my family history. There's a point recently where that actually came up again, right? Like, just a couple months ago. And I was asking, I was, uh, it was, sorry, not asking, but I would literally be working, and I would just be so overcome with, like, this anxiety and this impulsivity. Like, like I started, I remember I would just be pacing in my room, back and forth or in my house and um i'd randomly feel the need to start spinning in circles like i would i would start rubbing myself and like i would feel like something's on me like and i just felt like it was it's the strangest thing but disorganized behavior that's an attribute of schizophrenia and um it got so bad at one point i uh and and i i began to also feel even depressed like out of nowhere like my life's great i got a great job i got a beautiful sexy wife i got (laughs) I have a son, right, and which I'm proud of, who I love, and I have great relationships. Like, I got no reason to be sad. Things right. are great, you yeah. know? And, but I was feeling so depressed. Like, for some reason, I started feeling like, man, like, I'm not enough, you know? Because, you know, there's certain things happening, you know? Like, things that could be better, right? Um, like, things with, uh, you know, just, how do I explain it? Things where I felt like I was falling short. You know, so I was I was focusing on myself. Yeah. And um and I was like, Man, I I am I'm really not good enough. Like I, I just felt like I'm not good enough and and I, there's not enough in me to be able to overcome this. 
So I just felt really low. I would just feel really sad. I remember being in a car with somebody. And I was like, hey, man, I just, I, it would just come over me like a, like, like that. Like, it would just like, I would just feel it. And all of a sudden I would just start crying, like randomly, you know, this, um, this never happened to me like this before. And I remember being with my wife and like, I was telling her, like, I was just quiet. Like, you know, you put that poker face on cause you don't want people to really kind of see and you're trying to be strong for your wife and family. Yeah. And so she asked me one day, is everything okay? Cause she saw me kind of like extra serious. Yeah. And I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm not good enough, you know, like, you know, the money, you know, like we struggling to provide here. Like I have a great job, but there's been demanding things in our finances and financial, you know, burdens that really have just been straining and um, things outside of my control. So I was like, man, like can't even get my wife an extra pair of sweatpants. You know, it's cold out here, you know, like um, like little things like that are just you know, being able to want to take care of your wife um, or maybe things not going the way with your son. You know, my, my son was was expelled from a school that we paid, you know, lots of money to, like a mm-hmm. private school. And um, and I was like, man, I feel like things are not in the up and up. You know, this wasn't my experience in, uh, in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Like, things are, it's, it's tough, you know. It's, um, and I just felt like, man, I was, I'm the leader of this household, so this is my fault, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember I was in my room, and I was in this moment, this basically this episode of, like, schizophrenia. And I literally take a blanket, and I wrap it around my neck, and I start choking myself, right? And, and I'm like, wait, what? So this is a culmination of me feeling depressed, a culmination of me being schizophrenic at the same time. You know, so I'm just acting on my impulses and my thoughts of, of myself at this right. moment. And I was like, man, I can't. What am I doing? And I, and I realized, man, this is, I need to go to God, like, right now. Yeah. And I need to tell somebody, because I was so ashamed of that. And I was like, man, this is embarrassing. Like, I don't want to talk about, talk to people about how I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, and it really caught, made me be even more vulnerable than I thought I already was. Like, I thought, oh, man, I, I live in the light. I'm telling people about my struggles. Like, that's how I got here. Yeah. Right? But, no, like, you know. Jesus says to be meek and lowly, right? So, okay, for me, that looks like telling somebody I was going crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, some, somebody that, hey, I wrapped her blanket around my neck, and, like, I was trying to choke myself. Like, And nobody wants to have those conversations, but it was having that and being told that, hey, you can't just roll over and you need to fight so that yeah. you can actually, you know, because you have a family, because you need to serve God, like, you're not going to roll over. I was told that. Yeah. And and through that moment and that conversation, I went to God. I would, I would go to God every day. Every time I would feel it because it would happen like five times a day. I work at home. I couldn't even work for like a couple times. Like I was a couple days. It would literally be days I would just do nothing sometimes because I just felt so unmotivated. I felt so low mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and full of like this sadness and depression. And I, I didn't want to do anything and just be still, right, and just be in my thoughts and like – what was me, self-pity, all that. So, God, I remember praying and asking God, Lord, I, I need your help so that I can overcome. And he gave me this scripture, Isaiah 52. And um, he told, and so as I was reading it, there's three th- verses that stood out to me on it. And it says, to dust yourself off, yeah. to loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, and to break into joy. Mm. And as... And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. You know, so I was like, you know what? I pull these thoughts down and I dust myself off from every thought of schizophrenia, 
every thought of depression in the name of Jesus. And I loose myself from the bonds of my neck. I command those things to go. I rebuke those things in the name of Jesus. And I rebuke every thought that would try to exalt itself above Christ. And, I, and God, I just worship you. I break into joy. I worship you. I praise you, God. You're, you're so good. You're mighty. You can set me free. You yeah. set the captive free, God. You are my deliverer. I can call you on my days of trouble because you are where my help comes from. And, and so doing that, I had, to, I had to do that like five times a day at some point just so that I wouldn't go crazy. Mm-hmm. And literally, I remember I was, somebody prayed for me one day. As I continued doing that, and I had a pattern, and it was working. Like, this would go away, right? But it was aggressive. I had to be intentional and persistent, and I couldn't stop. I had to fight it, right? And then one day, someone prayed for me. And I literally felt all of it leave me. Amen. That schizophrenia, that depression, it literally just left me. And I, after that day, I never dealt it with it that way again. Amen. Never. And God literally set me free from schizophrenia and depression. Amen. So, with you sharing that, <laughs> I almost feel like I know the answer to my next question. Really? But I'm going to ask it anyways. Who do you know God as? God as in my life? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We know he has so many different attributes. He has yes. so many different names. Yes. But off the top, like what is the main thing you know him as? Um, the main thing. One thing? One thing. One thing? Well, however many things. Yeah? Okay. Well, I've known him as a father. Mm. And I feel like that has grown over time. And that we'll, we can take it so... Um, we can take that word like so plainly and so make it so common yeah. because, you know, we have the Our Father in Heaven prayer. Mm-hmm. So people will just say it without even really considering or even having the knowledge of God as their Father because it's a form of prayer, mm-hmm. right? And some people will only use that as a prayer. So, and I look back and I was like, literally from the day I was saved, right? God showed me that He was my Father when He reconciled me with my natural Father. Mm-hmm. And he said that, oh, I just wanted to be your father. So that was the beginning, right? And then they, there came to moments where I was moved from, um, you know, to Puerto Rico. And then I moved back, and I had to trust God. Like, God, I don't know what's happening, but you're my father, so I'm going to trust you in this process, even though I don't understand. I don't barely know these people that I'm around, right? But I believe this is where you want me, want me to be. So I'm going to trust you. You're my father. And then in a place where I'm coming to be married and I need God to provide, right? Or I'm looking for God to bring stability and help me overcome. Um, He sends somebody that helps me, right? He's like a spiritual father. Mm -hmm. And he teaches me, hey, a man of God doesn't quit. You know, Christians don't quit. And you need to keep fighting, right? So my spiritual father taught me that. And then going back to trusting God as your father, I'm preparing to be married. And, you know, God is telling me all these things like, hey, you know, I'm going to bring you stability financially. You know, he provides for me. You're my father. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's even scriptures that say, hey, you know, like, you know, the birds of the air, they don't have to worry about where they need to lay their head. Mm -hmm. They don't need to worry about where they eat. Literally, they prepare prepare for nothing. They literally just make a nest and just hope everything works out. Yes. You know, and how much he says, how much better are we? Like, I'm your father. And then going into being married, becoming a father, right? 
it's uh, and trusting God as a father. You know, when you want, you desire good for your children. Like, even though they do mess up, right? Even though they may get kicked out of school, right? Even though maybe they may not follow your instruction, like, you know, you love them. Yeah. Wow, because that's the father's love. And, um, and also even being a husband, you know, trusting God to, to be the husband I need to be, trusting God to, to set me free because I'm his son. Like, he desires for me to do well. Like, mm-hmm. he desires for me to be a good father, a good husband. He desires me to not be in bondage with schizophrenia, with depression. He wants me to be free because that's the portion of a son. That's a yeah. promise of the son. To have a sound mind is to be a son, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that and trusting God to give that to you. And that has been my experience, knowing God as a father, and he is my father, and I'm his son. Amen. Amen. That's that. Yeah. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Lily Podcast. For a while, I have been wanting to put out a call to salvation. And the call to salvation begins with the gospel. The gospel says that God became man in Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, the life that we were all supposed to live, and he died the death that we are all deserving of due to our sin. Three days later, he rose again, proving that he is the Son of God, offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to all those who would repent and believe in him. If you have not answered the call to salvation and you want to answer the call to salvation, please fill out the form below and let's see if I can get you connected with disciples in your local area so that you can get started on your journey with Christ. If you have answered that call to salvation but you haven't been activated in the Great Commission, you can use that same form below and I can get you connected with disciples in your local area that can show you how to get activated and get involved in the work that God left us here to do. The Great Commission says, Go therefore, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things that God has commanded us. As Christians, we have a work here on this earth. So if you haven't been activated, use that form below and let's get you activated. Once again, I'm so grateful and I really do appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in and meet us back here next week because we will be dropping a new episode every Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support.